Bearing one another's burdens, next, on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Galatians chapters 5 and 6 is where we find ourselves today. Hi, and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're focusing on the idea of bearing one another's burdens, what that means, and what it looks like, and why God has given us this directive to begin with. Please join us. And then at the close of the program, we have a Truth For Today listener celebration coming up Saturday, June 4th. Mark it on your calendar. I'll tell you all about it at the close of our time together. But for now, let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, for today's program. If we pick up verse or chapter 5, we're going to be looking and focusing in on chapter 6. But just to get a flow of what he's dealing with, with these people, he said, uh, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Well, you think, what in the world is this doing in the Bible? Remember, this he's taking on the uh, influence of Judaizers, Jews who insisted on circumcision to be in the covenant with of, of Abraham. Paul is evangelizing the Gentiles as a whole. The Jewish people rejected his ministry, so he turns to the Gentiles. These Gentiles are being saved. And right on his heels coming into these churches would be the Judaizers who always taught legalism, which says you can earn merit with God by things you do for him. And not just merit, but maybe helping yourself. You might not even be saved if you don't do this one. And so this heresy kept tracking the churches. And Paul's always refuting it. Christ alone, the cross alone saves. Not the cross plus circumcision. The cross plus giving plus all the other stuff we can plus. So he's wanting to make that clear. Then he says... I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, that is, for righteousness, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. If you go back under law, works, uh, after professing faith, you've fallen from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The only thing that counts in the Christian life, I'm trusting God, I'm walking by faith, and I'm manifesting that faith by love. That's all that matters. That, that, and so two things we could ask of each other. Are you walking by faith, and are you demonstrating that by love? Faith, love. Now, he goes on, he talks about the power of the Spirit in verse 16. Walk by the Spirit, by means of the Spirit, and you will not gratify the strong desires of the flesh. 
The flesh has three aspects. It starts out with moods, strong moods. I mean, you get yourself, you know, you go to certain places to get in the mood. Well, the flesh works that way on us. You'd be doing fine, and all of a sudden you get into a mood, a negative mood, sensuous mood, whatever. And then it triggers strong desires. And here he's using that word. And then it results in wrong deeds. So you got to catch yourself. Am I in the mood to sin? I'm in the mood for sin. It has set you up. And then it triggers these strong desires, results. But he says here that those who walk by means of the Spirit will not fulfill the strong desires of the flesh because the flesh wars against the Spirit. Then he names all the works of the uh, uh, flesh. In verse 19, Works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who practice such things, if this is your practice, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone could fall into any of these sins. But if it's your lifestyle, then you need to be warned. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now notice this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. There's our word mood. And desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us, I like the more literal, let us take each step in the Spirit or keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, Trespass is the real word. They're two different words. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness while you're stoning him. Is that what your says? You who are spiritual should judge him. What should you do? Restore him in a mean spirit. And let, let me tell you, if you're growing around legalism, it's going to be mean, judgmental, and watch out. You don't want to fail in front of a bunch of legalists because they're going to pounce on you like a vulture. It's scary to go to churches that are legalistic. You're not allowed many mistakes. Is it safe for you to fail and be a part of this church? Or do we shoot the wounded? Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And that's what we're going to be looking at today and focus on. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 
But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Isn't that interesting? Verse 2, we're to bear one another's load, and here he says, each must bear his own load. Which is which? What do we do? I thought you're supposed to help me carry my load. Here it tells me, just you carry it. Verse 2, he said, if your brother's got a burden, help him carry it. We'll try to figure out if they're contradicting what's going on. And so, I'm going to look at three things about the flow of the passage. And that is, number one, the power for helping others. Is there any power to make you get out of your self-centered world and help anybody? Talked with some believers the other day. Had a man tell me, if I was to meet a man today like the kind of man I was when God saved me, I couldn't stand him. I was so selfish, so self-centered, I'm, I repudiate what I was. It's just what it was. It was a humble self-disclosure. Didn't need to tell us that. We already knew it, but for him to own it was something special. Two, the people who need our help. Where's the power to help people? And then who are the people we ought to help? Uh, what category should we be? focusing on. And then I would end with the person who brings the most help. The person who brings the most help. Where is the power for helping other people? He's talking here, instead of being law, legislation, rule-driven, we're a people controlled by the Holy Spirit who is a divine comforter, and he produces this product called fruit, which is gentle, which is good. Love, joy, peace is kind of ours. That's, you know, I, I get to enjoy that. But how do you treat others? Are you gentle? Are you good? Are you kind? Are you self-controlled towards others and even yourself? And so he's saying that rather than to be legalistic people, going around and asking, have you been circumcised? I, I see your fault because God's made me an inspector of all the saints. That's my job. And uh, I think sometimes people think I know everything going on in this church. Are you kidding? I don't know what you did Monday through Saturday. That's what scares me to show up with you. I have no idea. I don't know your burdens, your temptations, your sins. Don't need to know unless we can help. But the power of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit energizing, and when he's working in a life, just the opposite of legalism, it's the power that energizes us to be caring for one another just like God cares for us so that you're really in a uh, team spirit uh, we're for each other. If we're, we're in the trouble, if the ox is in the ditch, and in this case it may be the brother or sister, we're here to help them.
A famous line that is told of William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, is he, there was the convention of Salvation Army, Booth could not make it, and he sent a telegram to the convention with one word, others. That's all he said, others. And the spirit-filled life is never a self-centered life. It is never uh, isolated from people or problems. Some people want to move away from problems. I know people that cannot stand to go to a hospital. And they're not worth spit if you're sick. They, they, They just can't show up. My brother Paul can't go to a hospital, the side of blood, and, and that six-footer just nearly faints. My, I got a son-in-law that's an RN. Can't hardly stand, you know, if his wife's sick or something, he, man, he, he just can't hardly take it. And yet he's an RN. Figure that one out. My daughter the other day, as an RN, had taken care of a man in his late 70s, suffering from prostate cancer, has other physical needs, comes into the clinic wearing a diaper. He is sick. He's terribly sick. While she tries to help him, he defecates on her. She had to wear complete garbs. She was covered in this man's waist. Six doctors commended her, but not one doctor touched the man. Don't give us the patient until you've cleaned him up. And nobody wanted to clean him up. She asked me, should I have cleaned him up? Yeah, you did the right thing. Said the man could not look at her until she got him on an IV and got him in a bed and has changed his diaper, had washed down his body, had uh, uh, sanitized him. He said, finally, the humiliated man looked up as to say thanks as she patted his cheek and said, you're going to be okay. Do you run or do you get involved? Are we the good Samaritan or the Levite and the priest too busy being religious to get involved? We just came from Jerusalem. We just came from temple. We don't have time to be picking up people beat up on the roadside. So we find the power of the new love, of the new command that Christ gives us, is that we're willing to get involved. Some cases we can't help. I couldn't have helped that man. I wouldn't have known where to start. But there's somebody God will put in your life that he's equipped and made you just the person to help them. You, just the person. Uh, Let's look at some of the people that we can help. Look at verse uh, 1. Brothers, so he's talking about family trouble. If anyone is caught in any trespass, that's the word. And trespass is a word, parapatoma, and it literally means to just fall down alongside the road. It means to make a misstep. 
It doesn't seem to be something intentional. I'm planning a life of sin. I'm going to rebel. It seems to be the picture of a misstep. And William Barclay said, life is walking up a slippery slope of which any one of us can trip any moment. And it's the idea that this brother has fallen into a sin. They, 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 they regret it. They hadn't planned it. Well, they, they just did it. It happened. You've never done anything like that, I'm sure. But many have. See, I'm in a vocation that one misstep, I lose my whole career. I can't pastor anymore. Just one misstep. Incredible pressure. I felt it ever since I was a kid preacher. One misstep. One night with one girl, and I can't preach anymore. That's what I grew up believing. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. And here he says, if a brother makes this misstep, and he's just kind of overwhelmed, you who are spiritual, and I was playing on it, how do you respond? Do you, uh, what, what would you say? They did it. It's been done. Now what are we going to do? He said, those of you that are spiritual, and he's been talking all the way through Galatians, you walk in the Spirit, you follow the steps of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit won't lead you to ignore them, to judge them, to write them off. No, he called you, not the pastor, you. A believer. Children of God, we're spirit people, aren't we? You're either in the flesh or in the spirit. Romans 8. You're in only one or two spheres. And he said, those who are being animated by the Holy Spirit and living out their lives in step, believe it or not, the spirit will lead you to people that have sinned, people who have slipped, and he'll use you to restore them. The word restore here is a surgical term. It meant to set a bone. It takes real skill. It was used of mending nets for the disciples. Take something that's lost its function that can be corrected. The, the bone that's broken. The net that's torn. Uh, somebody needs to set the bone. And, and that's a scary thing when you're a dad and... and uh, this same nurse daughter of mine, I've watched them in Kaiser take two to three hours in Richmond. I finally had to take her to Oakland, broke her wrist and her arm. And I'll tell you, it's a hard assignment watching them cry about seven years old and wait and watch the doctor <coughs> put it back. But guess what? The arm's no longer deformed. Who sets the bone? Who helps the fallen brother? Who helps restore them? Could you? Would you? Where do you start? And he's saying, get in there. Be willing to put them back together and make them whole. And he says something that's interesting here, uh, how you ought to restore them. Have you ever been critical of the bedside manners of a doctor? 
I met some guys that ought to be working in the zoo. They had no bedside manner. They just, pure medicine, boom, see you later. Well, Bill, yeah, yeah, we know you do that. Boy, what a difference when there's a different touch. And he says, do this in the spirit of meekness. You see that? Uh, restore in a spirit of meekness or gentleness. They're used interchangeably. Uh, and I look this word up because when I hear the word meek, I think of the word weak. But it's not that way. Same word. They're translated interchangeably. Meek, weak. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Same word. Gentle. And I looked at, I wanted to get a handle on this word and listen to how it's defined. I, just these, this is the way we ought to help people. Uh, it was used of mild things. Mild. They used it of taming animals. A tame animal was said to be a gentle or a meek animal. It had been trained. You can't ride the horse until it's been tamed. Uh, it was used of mild wine. It was mellow and mild. Uh, several things. It was used of uh, mild and gentleness that looked like friendliness. That when you're doing this, there is a mild manner, a friendly manner, uh, non-scary and in the midst of it, he warns us, while you're fixing people, be sure you don't get proud because you're subject to temptation the same way they are. You see that? Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. I hope you've never said, I'll never do that. You've never done that, have you? I know people that have. And guess what? They've done that. Because uh, God hates pride. And you in a weak moment, it's amazing what you're able to do. Think of Esau. Who would ever sell his birthright? A hungry man in the right context. And I ask a fallen preacher that lost a 3,000-member church over 15 minutes of sex with the wrong woman, I asked him, why did you do it? You'd been there for years. You had a great ministry. Why? I was a young preacher asked, why did you do it? He said, I traded my birthright for a bowl of soup. I made the trade. I was a fool. And he paid for it the rest of his life besides losing the church. What heartbreak, a saved man, a good man, a man that had an outstanding ministry. By the way, would you ever have a good word for a fallen preacher? I know some people, if it's a brother up here, if they fell, they write him off forever. They're a crook. They're this. How about saying they're weak and they succumb? It wasn't right. But do they deserve the same amount of restoration as we want to give you? Ask yourself, because, boy, 
Uh, There's not many folks I know, if it's a preacher, they have any patience with. Wait, when did we quit being tempted? That's kind of, now you're afraid. You all want to run out. I know. Good night. You may do it. I would if it wasn't for the grace of God and the Holy Spirit and some encouraging saints. We're weak. We're vulnerable people. Let us not be critical of each other's failings. Oh, to be tender towards one another, bearing one another's burdens. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us. As we mentioned at the beginning of our broadcast, we have a very special date that we would love for you to save and then join us on. June 4th, 4.30 in the afternoon until 7.30, here at Valley Bible Church at the Family Life Center here in Hercules, we have our Truth For Today listener celebration. And please, Won't you join us for a celebration of God's goodness to the Truth For Today ministry since 1997? It'll be catered. We'll have a lot of wonderful fellowship together. Ron Walters will be our special guest, and we would love for you to be our even more special guest, as it is through your involvement with this ministry on a regular basis, listening, partnering with us, that we're able to continue the ministry here on KFAX. So save the date, June 4th, for our Truth For Today listener celebration, 4.30 to 7.30 here at Valley Bible Church at the Family Life Center. If you need further information, give us a call at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org, for more information that we have there as well. Now, to obtain a copy of today's program, have a prayer request, maybe you have a question about the broadcast, again, that same phone number applies, 855-833-9864 or Truth For Today Radio and drop us an email while you're at our website. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code is 94547. We do hope to hear from you soon and trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 